You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good morning. Uh, happy Mother's Day. I hope, I hope you have great plans and that the weather, well, the weather seems like it's going to be nice. So, so happy Mother's Day. Uh, just a few announcements before we get started regarding next week. Let me pull up my notes here. Uh, so next week, we're going to have our first uh, live service. Uh, I mean, not live stream, but like in person. We'll have live stream, and we'll have our in-person service. So here's, here's what's changing. Uh, we're going to go back to our normal worship times, which will be 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Uh, the live stream will run both of those services, and our 9 a.m. worship service and our 10.30 a.m. worship service. So that's, that's going to happen next week. Uh, if, uh, if you're planning on coming uh, and, and being here, uh, be looking for a survey that will go on Facebook. Uh, in that survey, we're going to ask uh, what, your pl- what service you're planning on attending, because we can sit about 80 people uh, with the social distancing thing in practice. We can sit up a- about 80 people in each service. Uh, so we're going to have to we're going to have to be flexible a little bit to accommodate everybody who will want to be here. If the need arises that we need to go to a third worship service, we will. But we just got to be flexible. This is new territory for us. We're trying to figure things out. We're super excited that we're going to be able to gather next week uh, as long as nothing changes, uh, as long as the the uh, uh, the current restrictions are not extended, which there's no reason to believe that that's going to happen. Um, so be be looking for that. Also, just as a reminder, uh, we we're con- many of you are continuing to give through our online giving option. Uh, we are not going to pass the plate next week. We'll do nothing with plates next week. Uh, if if you can continue to give online, that's awesome. If uh, next week when you show up. If you want to give and write a check, you can just drop it off in the box. For those of you who are familiar with Meadowbrook, there's a box by the door as you exit the, the, uh, the auditorium. So I, I believe that's, that's pretty much all that's happening. We're excited. We can't wait to see uh, many of your faces next Sunday, either in our 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. worship service. Also, if, uh, if you're watching the live stream right now, if you did not receive or have not received the weekly email update letters that I send out every Wednesday, uh, this week we send it out. On, we sent it out on Thursday. Comment, uh, either leave a message on our Facebook page or comment your email address so we can make sure that you're included. That's one important way that we're getting the information out about what's happening at Meadowbrook, what we're what we're doing, and 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 any changes that may take place. So. There you go. Those are our announcements. Um, this this uh, past week, the uh, we, we gave you the option to uh, write a Mother's Day blessing, and we uh, brought all those together and into in the form of a blessing slash prayer. And I want to begin our time together with that. To our Meadowbrook moms, you are worthy of praise for your hard work, your kindness, your loving heart, a heart that belongs to God. 
Thank you for teaching your children to love the Lord. Thank you for being so kind and having giving hearts and whose love is truly endless. Thank you for setting the example for our kids to aspire to when they grow up. God, would you bless the Meadowbrook moms with what they need from you each day? Patience, love, wisdom, and would they rely on your grace each day? God, bless them with wisdom to be mothers in whatever season they are in. Give the mothers of, of young perspective and give the mothers of young perspective and patience. Give the mothers of teens loving suffering and, and grace. And give mothers of grown kids love and faith. And God, thank you for the legacy they follow. Thank you for their moms. Would they know how much they are loved? Be close to each Meadowbrook mom today, whether today uh, be joyful, hard, or somewhere in between. God's blessing to all Meadowbrook moms. Amen. Uh, one other thing I, I want to remind you of, if you are a mother and you call Meadowbrook Church your home, maybe Meadowbrook Church has become your home since we launched the live stream worship service and, and you're planning on, on attending uh, any one of our worship services. Uh, if you go to, um, I can't remember the cookie place, uh, Mary's what? Mary's Muffins? Mountain, oh, Mary's Mountain Cookies. This is, I, I want the first time not to get a cookie for myself, but so that my wife could pick up her cookie. Uh, you get a free cookie on Meadowbrook. So uh, any cookie that they have on display, uh, you could pick one of those cookies for yourself. But that offer expires tomorrow. So be sure to, uh, to check that out. All right. Uh, I almost forgot to mention that. Let's get started here. We're going to look at Romans chapter... 8, beginning with verse 1. And if you have a Bible, and I hope that you do, uh, if you don't have it right now, go grab it. We're going to read Romans chapter 8, and if you could stand to honor the reading of God's Word, that would be great. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him, the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies 
through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Uh, you may be seated. You know, most of the sermons that I have preached in my lifetime, which is hard to believe, I think I've been in pastoral ministry for 20 years now. Uh, most of the sermons I've preached are, are sermons really uh, are to my own heart. Uh, when I preach, I'm preaching to my own heart first and foremost. And uh, when I write my sermons, you know, every sermon I, I preach, I, I've written a manuscript for, I, I write for my own heart, for my own devotion. I say that my sermon is that for my children and maybe even for my grandchildren one day, that my sermons will be a, a legacy that I can leave for my family. But occasionally, I am motivated to write a sermon for a person or a group. And I just want you to know that this sermon is for those of you who are experiencing a Mother's Day without your mother or without your daughter or your son. Uh, this sermon is for you. It's for everybody else, but I wrote this sermon with you in mind. This sermon is, is my Mother's Day card to my wife, who for the first time this year is experiencing a Mother's Day without her mother. This sermon is for all those who hate death and love life. This sermon is for those who long for hope and want to be recipients of some really good news. And my favorite verse, most of you know this, is in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, the verse that we started with. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what follows in this passage, and we'll take two weeks to unpack this, this, this chapter, what follows in this chapter is Paul's six reasons, at least six reasons, why for the Christian there is no condemnation. Six reasons, and I want to look at the first three today. Some have called Romans chapter 8 the greatest chapter in the entire Bible. Um, it is certainly loaded with all kinds of promises, and my prayer this week has been for your encouragement through these, through these verses. So there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the very first thing that Paul says in chapter 8. And one of the things that is important when you're reading the Bible or any, any book or any piece of literature is when you come across the word, therefore, uh, the author is, is about to say something or write something in light of what he has already written or said. And the, the first thing that Paul says here is that in light of chapters 1 through 7, 
there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the first reason that he gives is that you are not condemned because Jesus was. You are not condemned because Jesus was. In Romans uh, chapters 1 through 3, we, Paul said, wrote about how we're all sinners who fall terribly short of meeting God's standard of righteousness and perfection. In Romans chapter 4 through 6, we learn that our only hope for forgiveness, for the forgiveness of our sins, is, and our only hope for redemption is, is, is someone who is able to stand in our place. He is our only hope, and as you know, that person is Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, which we looked at last week, the only hope that we have from the bondage of sin that we, that we still experience the lingering effects of is Jesus Christ, who became sin for us to break the power of sin over our lives, the power of, of sin and death that we were once prisoners of. So Paul says, in light of that, in light of everything I have just written, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. And according to verses 3 and 4, we're told, for God has done what the law was weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit. When I was writing this sermon, I thought these are some of the words I would, I, if I had the honor to, to be able to go and attend my mother-in-law's memorial service with my wife, these are words that I would have probably shared at her graveside or during that memorial service. That the reason why uh, she is in heaven today is because her faith and trust is in Jesus Christ. There is therefore no condemnation for anyone who is in Christ. And the first reason Paul gave or gives us is that we are not condemned because Jesus was condemned in our place. He became our curse. He became our sin. He became all of our sin. The dark stuff, the secret stuff, the stuff that we don't want anybody else to know about, Jesus became. And the second reason that we're not condemned, Paul gives us in verses 9 through 11, is this, that you are not condemned because you are now in Christ. Not only did Jesus become your condemnation, but we are, as a result, in Christ. That's a phrase I talked about last week that's used many, many times throughout the Bible to describe what does it mean to be a Christian. We are in Christ the moment that you believed in Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says that you had a change in association. Something happened in your heart and in your mind and, and, and with your soul. Your, your soul that was once dead to God has become alive to God, and your identity shifted from being a, a, a follower of the devil or the prince of the power of the air, the Bible says, your, your association or identity as being dead spiritually has now been made alive in Christ. You went from being in and of the world to being in Christ and a citizen of his kingdom. 
Once you believed in Jesus, you were indwelled then and sealed by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole other sermon. But when you became a believer, the Bible says that you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 says, before, that you be, before you became a Christian, you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work at the, in the sons of disobedience, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But the moment you believed in Jesus, you were made alive together with Christ. That's who you are if you're a Christian, alive, not dead, alive in Christ. There was a, uh, a contraption, a gadget that uh, it was called a meter machine. I'm not even sure if they make those still, but it's, it's something that uh, is designed to put uh, in businesses postage marks on, on envelopes. And I used to work for a bulk mail company. I managed uh, the production of all, all that used to go out of that facility. And back in the days when I worked there, those were the days of dial-up internet and, uh, and nothing automated, <laughs> right? And so there's this machine, the meter machine, the only way we can fill it up with this you know, money, it wasn't real money obviously, but money, was that I had to take the machine with a check from the company to the postal service and hand them the machine that belonged to the Postal Service along with the check. And they would uh, take the check and then they would cut this wire that kept this little door shut on the meter machine. And the only person that had authority to cut that wire was somebody in the U.S. Postal Service. And, and the reason why I knew that is because with that wire was a was a, a metal seal that was uh, squished <laughs> with, with the signet of the U.S. Postal Service on it. If I ever decided or was tempted to, to cut that wire, I would then become guilty of a federal crime. Only one had authority to break that seal, and it was the U.S. Postal Government. And so... I would take that machine, hand it to the person, they would cut that wire, and they would, they would turn the numbers to, to uh, reflect the amount of money I just paid to the U.S. Postal Service, and then we would have a meter machine that would continue to be able to put postage on, on envelopes. The Bible says that when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you received God's seal. It is the Holy Spirit. Now, you've heard me say this, and this is why Romans chapter 8, verse 1 makes so much sense to me. You've heard me say this, that if you genuinely placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, there is nothing that can, uh, that can remove that salvation or disqualify you from the salvation that you receive. Like, you cannot lose your salvation. You cannot. If you genuinely believed in the gospel, you cannot lose your salvation. And here's why I know that. Here's one of the reasons why. Because God has placed his seal on you. And the only one who has authority to break that seal is not you. It's not your actions. It is God himself. 
And he's already told us in chapter 8, verse 1, there is no condemnation, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Period. Period. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus went to the cross, he paid in full what was necessary to cancel my debt before him. And the same is true for you if you place your faith and trust in Jesus. The day I received the free gift of my salvation through faith in Jesus, guess what happened? God put his seal on me in the form of the Holy Spirit, and he, is de- and he declared on that day that I belong to him. And there was nothing that could change that. And the same is true for you. When uh, Roy Ma's mother, my mother-in-law, Nengbach, began to experience her heart and her breath to fail the day that she died, death may have appeared to be the victor. Death may have appeared to be the winner that day, but because of her faith in Jesus, because it rested in Jesus, there was a seal that not even death could break. And that seal is the Holy Spirit. Because she was in Christ, there was no need to worry about what was coming. Many people who enter death's door, this is why a lot of people are legitimately and rightly afraid of COVID-19, or any other disease for that matter, is that when many people die who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, they enter through death's door only to stand before a God who is their judge. But for the Christian, when death comes a-knocking, guess who opens the door for the, for the Christian? Life. The God of life. When I breathe my last breath one day, which will happen, because I said, and you know this to be true, that the mortality rate in Wyoming is 100%. We're all going to die. Uh, when I die, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I will enter through death's doorway and stand before a heavenly father, not a judge. My heavenly father, the God of all creation. And the same is true for you. This is good news, friends. This is good news. The third reason that we're given for why there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus is that you are not condemned because you are, listen, you are an heir with Christ. You're an heir with Christ. You're a recipient of all, all that, 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 that belongs to, to those who are God's children. You're an heir. You belong to him. And all the rights and privileges that legally belong to God's children belong to you and belong to me because we're his children if, you believe, if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus. You know, in the Roman days, in Paul's day, when a family would adopt a child, which is very true today still, that once that child was legally adopted, that child became legally a son of, of, of those parents, of that mother and of that father. And if that is the only child that was adopted, that child would receive all the rights of the firstborn, including a new name. That's what happened with you, and this what happened with me. 
when we placed our faith and trust in Jesus. We were legally adopted by the God of all creation. And parents who don't, or, or family members who don't provide for their family, if anybody doesn't provide for their household, speaking of you know, particularly directed at men, if anyone does not provide uh, for their household, that person is worse than an unbeliever. You know, there's strong words that are used for those who neglect their children, who abuse their children, who, who do not uh, love their children. And the God of all creation loves you, and he loves me as a son or as a daughter. The Greek word you know, that's used here is describing a son, not to the exclusion of female Christians, but there was a legal standing that all sons had in their family. And that's the point Paul's making. Regardless if you're a, a male or, 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 or female, if your faith and trust rests in Jesus, you have been adopted by the God of all creation, and you are now his daughter, his son, and you are therefore an heir of all that belongs to him, and you are fellow heirs with Jesus. Like, like Donald Trump or Bill Gates or any other of the world's elite and, and, and wealthy, do not hold a candle to that which is ours in Jesus. The God who spoke the galaxies into existence calls you a son or a daughter. And we're recipients of all that is his. Like we, All that is his, we are heirs of. I mean, that's... I mean, think about that. The author of life, the author of life is your daddy, is my daddy. And, and, and if that's true, what can death really do to you? I mean, does it make sense? Why I, you, you heard me say this a couple times now, probably a dozen of times, maybe half a dozen, a dozen times I've said this. When Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, some of you they will kill, but what? Not a hair on your head will perish. Well, Why? Because the God of creation is your daddy, and he is the author of life. So what can death really take from you? Nothing. Nothing. Maybe the air in your lungs, and maybe the strength in your legs, and, 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 and maybe you, your body's ability to function on this side of eternity, but it really can't take very much from you. If you're an heir with Christ, there's nothing to fear because even when death comes knocking, it is life that answers the door to your future. And that's the promise of the gospel. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've been punched in the face a couple of times, and it hurts. <laughs> I, somebody said this, everybody, well, actually, I think it was Mike Tyson that said this, everybody has a plan except for, you know, except for when you get punched in the face. And, uh, and how true that is. You know, and, and in life, you're going to get punched in the face. We, we live in a world that's cursed. And, and you're going to be touched by death. You're going to be touched by disease on some level. You're, you're going to be touched by some form of rebellion in your family on, on some level. And, uh, and, and you may find yourself flinching. You know, you, you, you may flinch, find yourself flinching at the graveside of a loved one because you hate death, and you've been touched by it, and you know that it stings. You, you may flinch at COVID-19. 
You may flinch at cancer or, or you may flinch at, at whatever uh, that comes into your life that seeks to rob you of your joy, but remember who you are in Christ. You are a king's kid. You are a son of the God of all creation. You're a daughter of the God of all creation. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can ever change that. And we know that because we're sealed by the Holy Spirit. We know that because of who we are in Jesus. We know that because Jesus became our condemnation. That's why Romans chapter 8 verse 1 is so so good. I mean, it's so good for your soul, so good for my soul. When you're battling depression, when you're grieving, go to Romans chapter 8. There is so much in here. I, I could spend months just unpacking Romans chapter 8 and just in a series of sermons. I struggled with, how do I, my original plan was I was going to preach through this entire chapter in one sermon. And I remembered, well, one, it's Mother's Day, and I don't want to make all the moms angry with me. And two, um, there's so much here, I don't want to rush through it. But those are the three things, you know, we're, the, the, the three reasons why there's no condemnation for those of us who are in Jesus, because Jesus became our condemnation, because because we are in Jesus, our identity has changed, and because because uh, we are, you know, not only has our nature changed, but we're heirs of all that belongs to God, and and we are co-heirs with Jesus. I read a, a statement from a person who believed that what Jesus did on the cross was kind of like. You know, what he did on the cross, he just kind of filled up the heavenly, that, this person's heavenly bank account. And he said this, he said, uh, it's like a heavenly bank account. And he thought of himself as a Christian. So Christianity is like a heavenly bank account. As long as I make more deposits than withdrawals, I'm in good shape. What he failed to realize is that when Jesus died, he died because we're ban- we were bankrupt. Spiritually, there was nothing that we could bring to the table uh, before God. There was nothing that we could do to, to remedy our, our, our problem, our sin. Jesus went to the cross to pay our bankruptcy, to pay it all in full. And this new account that Jesus opened up for you and for me is different than any other account on earth. In this account, you can't make withdrawals. In this account, you cannot make deposits. But with this account, you are forever and all of eternity a recipient of the benefit of that account. There is interest that's being paid out on your behalf. You are, it's yours because of what Jesus did. It belongs to you. And you are living off the benefits of the inheritance that is now yours. And so here's my, here's my question for you. If you really believe that Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is for you, as I believe it's for me, how are you living in light of your present reality? How are you living in light of that truth? Paul says something in verses 16 through 17, and we'll continue next week to unpack this, but it, it makes sense of verses 18 through 39. And... Uh, I just want you to you know, look at it in your Bible and, and just listen to what it says as you, as you read the words. 
The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We're children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And this is what he says that has thrown some people, uh, has confused some people. Provided, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, what what does Paul mean by that statement? Provided that we suffer with him. This is one of those uh, verses in the Bible where I don't think the NIV got it quite right. But originally, like in the Greek, literally in the Greek, it reads this. We are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Well, what is he saying? What is he saying? He's saying that in light of, of, of who you are in Jesus, in light of the fact that you are not condemned because Jesus was condemned in your place, in light of the reality that you are now in Jesus, your identity and your, your, your nature has changed. You went from being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive. In light of the reality that you are an heir with Christ, if you genuinely and truly believe that, and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, then when the hard stuff comes, when death comes, when COVID-19 comes, or whatever comes into your life that seeks to rob you of your joy, you're not going to throw in the towel of your faith. You can't. Because you know, you, you, you know what is yours in Jesus. That's what he means there. It's like Your association with Jesus is going to result in suffering. Like, like, you, it's not about your, as, as one pastor would say, your best life now. Like, your inheritance is in heaven, and, and we follow one, a Messiah, Jesus, who was homeless during his earthly ministry. We're not guaranteed or promised that life is going to go our way on this side of eternity. But what we are promised is, is, is not only who we are now in Jesus, but we're king. We're, we're children of the king. We're sons and daughters of the God of all creation. And there's an inheritance, which we'll read about next week. We'll talk about next week in verses 18 and following. That is ours. Like right now, uh, if, you're, if, you've, uh, if your experience is similar to mine, there's some sighing and groaning of, with the whole being stuck at home and things being closed down. And, but here's, here's our reality, right? We know that the quarantine is going to be lifted. We know it's coming. Like You know it's coming. And you're anticipating the day when, when like this virus thing is done. You know that it's coming, but right now you're groaning and longing for it to end, right? Well, the Bible says all of creation is longing for the same thing. And, and, and Paul says that, that, yes, sorrow will come and it will enter into our lives. Suffering will enter into our lives. But we'll be able to look at that. We'll be able to stare at death in, you know, in its face We'll be able to look at COVID-19 
as those who, who, who know that we win because of who we are in Jesus. You know, you are able to suffer with Jesus because you know that you are a child of God. And I'm going to, you know, tip my cards a little bit about for next week as I wrap this up. As a child of God, as a child of, of the God of life, death is not your inheritance. That's verses 18 through 25. As a child of God, he is for your good. He is for your good. Not for your sorrow, for your good. That's verses 26 through 30. As a child of God, listen, you are loved with an everlasting love. And nothing, absolutely nothing, will ever change that. We'll never disrupt that. We'll never pervert that. We'll never destroy that because of where that love is rooted. This is why my mother-in-law is in heaven today. It's the reason why you can live your life with purpose, purpose that transcends the grave. This is why when the world looks at us as followers of Jesus, they ought to see those who are standing up, resurrected ones amongst those who are dead. Those who fill our city who do not know Jesus are spiritually dead, but we're alive because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and because he rose from the grave. Amen? That's who we are. That's who we are. So as we celebrate Mother's Day, really, every time we celebrate Mother's Day, when I celebrate Mother's Day, I think of this reality. Moms, women, God has designed your bodies to give life. That's why you tend to be nurturers and givers of life by design. And as we celebrate Mother's Day, we can anticipate that God is the author of life, and he promises that for all of those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus. And if you're here today, or you're viewing today, and you don't, uh, like, this is new to you, and you're not sure what to make of Jesus, but, but after listening to the songs that we, that we sang together, and after listening to this message, maybe, maybe you're saying to yourself, man, I want that. I want to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to know him. I want to be known by God. I, I, I want that in my life. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And everything that I just mentioned in the last, what, 30 minutes or so uh, will be true for you too. That's how you get Romans chapter 8, verse 1. That is by placing your faith and trust in the one who became your condemnation. Um, so anyway, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the gospel. Thank you for the good news that is ours in Jesus. Thank you that we are not, those of us who, who believe in Jesus, we, we don't stand condemned before you because Jesus became our condemnation. That, uh, that, that as a result, uh, you are changing us and molding us and shaping us more and more into t the type of people that we were meant to be, that we are purposed to be. That, and, and, and that is seen in the reality that, that our association, our reality is now found in Jesus. And as a result, we know as, as a result of being your son, as a result of being your daughter, that we are heirs. We are heirs of all that belongs to you because you're our daddy and we are co-heirs with Jesus.
And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, I look forward to seeing you, some of you, hopefully a lot of you, next time and watch the live stream that you'll be able to see the live stream. Until next week, I look forward to seeing you. Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.